Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy Bradney, and I do many things here at the church. I do the slides usually most Sundays, and I'm also the newly elected treasurer. So um, today I'm going to be reading the scripture. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. All right, great job, and thank you, Jeremy. And uh, I want to say welcome and good morning to all of you. It's great to see you. How are you doing today? All right, most of you are doing pretty good. That's all right. Uh, Hey, if this is your very first time, I want to say thank you so much for being here and joining us for worship. If you'll do us just a couple of favors while you're here, we would love that. Uh, The first favor is if you'll take a moment to fill out during here here during the message, uh, the connection card, which is inside of the bulletin that you should have received on your way in. Uh, Drop that in the offering plate, which will come by after this morning's message. Uh, that gives us a record of you of being here. And uh, the second thing we would hope that you'll do is take a free gift that we have for you. It's just our way of saying thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's this book right here, and you can grab one on your way out uh, right here on the side of our sanctuary or in our foyer right behind you. Uh, but hopefully this book will be a blessing to you, and uh, we are so glad that you're here. I want to quickly point out something that we do week to week, uh, which is we provide a notes insert for you to follow along with this morning's message and uh, this little area there for you to take notes as well. So if that's of interest to you, you can do that. Uh, you can also follow along on your phone. So if you have the Bible app uh, published by Version, you can go to the events section and it should pinpoint your location right here at Emmaus Road. And uh, all of the same notes are duplicated right there digitally for you. Uh, Let me share a couple of announcements before we jump into this morning's message. Uh, First thing I want to mention is that our family resource event called Parenting with Love and Logic is today. Uh, This afternoon at 4 p.m. it begins. Uh, It'll last a couple hours, 4 to 6. For those of you that have kids and want to go, it is too late to register for child care. Uh, We are maxed out in terms of uh, the number of kids that we can handle uh, with the workers that we have. But if you can find your own child care, we would love for for you to join us. If you uh, can coordinate your own child care or if you are a grandma or an aunt, uncle and want to go, uh, we would love for you to join us. Uh, It'll be right here in the church 
4 p.m. today. Uh, next thing I want to mention is a couple weeks from today on June 5th is our Faith Promise Sunday. Uh, Faith Promise is an annual pledge-based giving campaign that we do uh, right here at the end of spring, early summer, uh, that uh, has us supporting global missions around the world. Uh, we want to proudly support our den- the denominational work, but there are some other initiatives that we want to do uh, globally to spread the gospel around the world, and your Faith Promise money helps to do that. Uh, but the good news is you can give it all in one lump sum on that Sunday a couple weeks from now, or you can pledge to give a certain amount over and above your tithe uh, each month for the rest of the year. So it is a pledge-based giving campaign, and uh, we just encourage you to be praying about how God would have you to participate. Uh, last week, you'll, you'll see that we overgave our pledges, which is phenomenal. So thank you so much for not only making pledges, but staying faithful to those pledges in our last fiscal year, and we're excited about what God is going to do uh, with that money. Uh, our goal this year is to give $14,000, which is a huge goal, uh, but we would love for us to give $14,000 through our Faith Promise campaign. Uh, the good news is, is we have uh, some folks, part of our community that will be speaking to us that Sunday. Our own Ryan and Angie Ketchum will be telling us all about the work that God had them doing in Cambodia. So we're really excited to hear from them. And we're going to gather together for a community dinner, uh, which uh, used to be called a potluck. So, uh, but we're going to have a community dinner uh, here right after the service. And uh, if your last name is A through L, bring a main dish. If your last name is M through Z, bring a side and a dessert. I said a side and a dessert for M through Z. Uh, that will help us make sure that we have enough food for everybody. All right, the last thing I want to mention is that last week we had a phenomenal Sunday celebrating our annual meeting, and I gave my State of the Church address, uh, which was a lot of fun. The bad news is, is that due to technical issues, we did not get a recording of that. So if you missed last Sunday and want to hear the State of the Church address, you can read it. Uh, you can read it, not in its entirety. It's an abbreviated version, but you can read it on our website in the blog section. So if you're interested in that, uh, it is available to you. So let's say a word of prayer and jump into this morning's message. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your presence with us, uh, your grace uh, to us, and uh, God, for your spirit that has been poured out uh, on all people. And so, Lord, in these moments, may your spirit be freely at work. Uh, to challenge us through your word, to encourage us. Uh, Lord, speak to us in whatever way you see fit. We open ourselves up to you uh, in these moments. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, for a good long time, we've been in a series through Galatians. uh, And uh, we are now coming to the end. We are bringing this thing in for a landing. Uh, And so we have today, and then next week, we're going to cover all of Galatians chapter 6 and uh, tie this thing up, but I hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Um, It is going to be, uh, it has certainly been fun to preach, has been challenging to me, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, If God has spoken to you in any way, uh, in any significant way that you feel like is of note, we would love to hear about that. Uh, If he has used this series to challenge you or speak to you, uh, send us an email uh, at mystory at theroadfc.org, and uh, we would love to celebrate God's activity in your life together. Uh, And then I want to mention that uh, as soon as we wrap this up after Faith Promise Sunday, uh, then we will start with uh, a new series for the summer called Proverbs, the wisdom of the Proverbs. And you'll remember last summer we covered Proverbs 1 through 5. Uh, This summer we're going to go Proverbs 6 through 11. Uh, So it should be a lot of fun just opening our hearts to the wisdom uh, literature. Uh, But Galatians has been all about 
Uh, Paul making a, a argument uh, to the Gentile Christians in the region of Galatia that they, through faith, uh, are welcomed into the, the family of God. Uh, they aren't in, restricted in any way. There isn't sort of an inner circle and an outer circle of Christianity. Uh, it is because of Christ. Uh, all of God's promises to the nation of Israel have been fulfilled, and now God is building a brand new community called the church, and you enter in by faith. And uh, it has uh, been, uh, it's good news for these Gentile Christians. And so we've been wrestling with that, and we've talked a lot about how uh, we tend to draw lines in our life, but Jesus wants to erase those lines and the things that separate us. Uh, we've talked about, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how really the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love, that the ultimately, ultimately the, the uh, kind of the bottom line, the foundation for the Apostle Paul is faith is, is really useless if it's not being expressed in love in the world. And if you want to read more about what Paul has to say about that, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, which is a famous passage for, for weddings. But what Paul is really talking about is not necessarily the romantic love between a, a man and a woman, uh, but really what he's talking about is uh, the, the love expressed in community uh, with one another. So, um, so we've, been, we've been challenged a lot, and I want to just kind of continue in uh, as, we, as we close out chapter 5. And what Paul is doing in, in chapter 5 is he is, he is uh, continuing to unpack the freedom that the Galatians have in Jesus Christ. Galatians is all about freedom in Christ. That is the overwhelming theme of the book is how in Christ we are made free. Uh, and again, what we talked about is it's not so much freedom from sin, but it's freedom to love. That, that ultimately what Paul is talking about when he talks about our freedom in Christ is that we have a freedom uh, to, to love people without condition, without boundaries. Uh, but he's going he's gonna to continue to unpack that even more. And he's addressing in particular this question. What does one do with your freedom? Once you have been set free, like God in Christ has done all of this tremendous work on the cross on your behalf, Paul wants to say overwhelmingly, you are free in Christ. And the Galatians might be tempted to say, so? What does that mean? And Paul, that's the question that he's addressing. What does one do with your freedom? And, and the answer is basically this. Out of Galatians chapter 5, you can use your freedom to indulge what Paul calls the flesh, or you can use your freedom to live by the Spirit. Uh, you can use your freedom to indulge the flesh, or you can use your freedom to live by the Spirit. And, and while these seem like simple options, it's either just one or the other, just do this or do that, uh, I think there's something more going on here, and, there's, and Paul wants to point out to us something more significant and deeper. Uh, and to help us get us there, help get us there, I want to tell you a story. Uh, on the campus of Oxford University, uh, there stands a beautiful circular-shaped building surrounded by an immaculate lawn. Uh, the building is topped with a great dome and over the years has caught the attention of both artists and tourists. This building is a library and it is called the Radcliffe Camera. Uh, and it is widely drawn painted, photographed, and visited. Uh, do we have a picture of the Radcliffe camera? I want to show that to you now. Absolutely gorgeous. And you can see why it is such a draw for those who love, to, who love art. 
Now, the lawn that surrounds the building uh, used to be protected by a very high railing. In fact, the railing was so high that unless you were unusually tall, the railing would actually obscure your view of the building itself. However, during the Second World War, the government ordered that the railing around the Radcliffe camera be taken down so that the metal could be melted and then fashioned into weapons of war. Uh, So suddenly the Radcliffe camera and its lawn were free from barriers. So in the 1950s and 60s, there was, in fact, a sign out there in the lawn that that was kindly asking people to stay off the lawn. Now, we've talked about and we've addressed in this series of Galatians that for some of you, a sign that says stay off the lawn means I do cartwheels on it. Uh, And others of you would say, oh, the sign says stay off the lawn. We better do that, which is my personality. Uh, So in the 50s and 60s, there was a sign asking people to stay off the lawn. And for the most part, people obeyed. But by the 70s and 80s, people had forgotten that a barrier was ever there in the first place. And they began to use the lawn for recreation. And so now the Radcliffe camera lawn was used for picnics, games, and parties. In fact, it became so loud on the lawn that people working in the library were having a hard time going about their work. This lawn was so popular. Uh, I imagine I, I, uh, in my university days, we used to play, uh, we actually used to play Ultimate Frisbee right outside the library. So there's something about a library lawn that draws people. So I imagine parties and picnics and Ultimate Frisbee going on, and it's causing quite a ruckus, and the workers in the library just can't even do their, go about their work anymore. But not only that, the lawn that was once so nice and immaculate began to suffer. And so instead of a beautiful lawn around this historic building, there was instead trampled brown grass. In light of this, in the 1980s, the university decided that the railing must go back up, this time not so high. So today, the lawn around the library, as you can see, matches the beauty of the building itself. What in the world does all of this have to do with Galatians chapter 5? I'm glad you asked. This little story is about the abuse of freedom. This story about a lawn at Oxford University is really a story about the abuse of freedom. Because it is one thing to be set free, but it is quite another to decide what you are going to do once freedom is, in fact, yours. And so just because the folks around Oxford University were set free to walk on the lawn or even ruin the grass around the beautiful Radcliffe camera doesn't necessarily mean that it was the right thing to do. Just because they could do it didn't mean that they should do it. This story is about the abuse of freedom. And so I want to give us an overarching theme for this morning's message, and it is this. Freedom from restraint if it is to be of any use, must be matched by a sense of freedom for a particular purpose. Freedom from restraint, if it is to be of any use, must be matched by a sense of freedom for a particular purpose. In other words, we cannot just be set free and and expect to live freely. We must be set free, but with and for a particular purpose. And so let's take this little story about the Radcliffe camera and this main idea to try to unpack what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 5. 
The first thing in, in the first couple of verses, verses 13 through 15, let me read them again. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. For if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by one another. So, in these, uh, these, there are really two messages embedded in these, two sh- these three short verses. Paul is addressing a, a small and specific issue going on in the region of Galatia, and he's also addressing a more large-scale issue uh, that is much more timeless for us. Very specifically, uh, can we just say and admit out loud that verse 15 seems really odd, right? Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, you will in fact be destroyed by one another. Uh, to which everyone was like, uh, amen, right? Is that what I'm supposed to say there? Um, verse 16, 15 seems a bit out of place, um, but its inclusion tells us that Paul is really addressing a specific problem uh, inside of the Galatian community. Because I don't imagine many of you are tempted to turn to your neighbor next to you and, and bite them or devour them. Uh, so what is happening is the controversies that have been raging in Galatia uh, the controversies about who is let into the, the community of God and do you have to adopt Jewish customs and practices, all of this, this controversy that's going on in Galatia has apparently led to serious disturbances within the, within the church, this new community that God is building, which leads Paul to say this really strong language. If you bite and if you devour one another, you will in fact destroy each other. So we shouldn't understand that they, there was a, a problem of cannibalism in the church, uh, but rather we should understand that this is really strong language that Paul is, is using to say, in the midst of all of your wrestling about the truth of God, you seem to be angry with one another. And he is saying that it is essential that in learning how to be truly free, these young Christians in Galatia need to come to realize that squabbling among themselves was a sign that actually they were still enslaved. For all of this talk and, 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 and wrestling with freedom, if you wrestle about the subject with, with uh, such anger toward one another, it is in fact evidence that you haven't grabbed a hold of it yet. What you're doing is just wrestling with ideas and not living in the reality of the freedom that is yours in Christ. And so what Paul is doing is he's very specifically calling the Christians in Galatia that even in the midst of disagreements, he is calling them to love one another. Hmm. I wonder what kind of letter Paul would write to churches today as they spar over theological issues. I wonder what Paul would say to the church today as we the church spar over theological issues. I would imagine he might say, If you bite and devour one another, you will, in fact, destroy each other. And so I imagine that he would say, yes, you must wrestle to grasp the truths of God. But fighting over those truths is of no good to anyone. And so wrestle, grapple, strain to understand God, but do it with honor Love and respect because, in fact, faith is of no value at all if it is not faith expressing itself 
through love. And so Paul is he's addressing a very particular issue, but he's also addressing a more general issue in these first couple of verses. In general, what Paul is addressing is the, how the Galatians should uh, use their freedom or what they should do with their freedom. He is pointing out that God has not made them free for the purpose of self-indulgence. And I wonder how many times we sort of understand freedom that way. Oh, I have been set free, therefore I can do whatever I want. And Paul wants to say that's actually not what freedom is at all. Uh, Freedom, you are not set free for the purpose of just uh, going about your own business and uh, indulging anything, any desire that you want. In fact, Paul would say self-indulgence is, in fact, just a different uh, form of slavery. Uh, You're not free at all if you just assume that your freedom is for the purpose of self-indulgence. In fact, um, as theologian George Lyon masterfully points out, and I quote, freedom did not leave the Galatians autonomous and forced to depend on their own inadequate resources, nor did it leave them independent and encouraged to live for selfish ends. God calls us to freedom not to indulge ourselves, but to serve others in love. God calls us to freedom, not to indulge ourselves, but to serve others in love. But as we love our neighbors as ourselves, we coincidentally fulfill the law's essential end. So our freedom is not for the purpose of self-indulgence, doing my own thing, uh, living selfishly, but rather we are set free to serve others in love. And so you are free from the restraint of the law, the fence around the lawn has come down, right? You are free. The fence has come down. But your freedom must be for a particular purpose. Freedom just all on its own is of no good. It has to have, it has to have freedom with a direction. Uh, I often say that my oldest daughter is a bullet. I just have to point her in the right direction, right? I mean, she is going after life. And I just got to guide her so that she doesn't go off somewhere, right? And Paul wants to say something similar about our freedom. He says your freedom must have a particular purpose. It must be guided in a particular direction or it's of no value at all. And so that particular purpose, according to Paul, is, of course, love. Because, as verse 14 says, when we love, we have, in fact, fulfilled the law. Are you with me? Let's continue then in verse Uh, 16 through 18, verse 16 through 18. So I say, uh, in other words, this is the hinge. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh is contrary to the spirit, the spirit contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want, but you are to be led by the spirit for you are not under the law. But, so the question is, freedom, we are set free, but we have to be set free for a particular purpose. That purpose is love, but how are we going to do that? Are we going to do it in our own strength? Are we going to uh, sort of do it out of our own gumption? And I imagine that Paul would say, well, yeah, to some degree, but your love, empowered by yourself, will always fall short. Your love will always be based on conditions. Your love will always have certain boundaries. And Paul is trying to, love us with, to call us to love without condition and without boundaries. And so Paul says, freedom from the law requires life in the spirit. That's what I want you to hear today. Freedom from the law requires life in the spirit. Are you with me? Freedom from the law requires life in the spirit. Otherwise, we will take our freedom and we will make a mess of it. Or 
the fence will come down. And unless you need the spirit, unless you have the spirit, you will ruin the lawn. So freedom from restraint of the law is not a freedom to do whatever we want. It is rather a freedom to, to live life guided by the spirit. I want you to imagine a beautiful garden uh, where the guests were allowed to pick the flowers so that they could enjoy them at home. If guests, however, took more than their share, the garden would cease to be a garden at all and would only be a field of picked flowers void of their bloom. See, the the point that Paul is trying to make is that freedom, that we have been set free in Christ, but that freedom must have a particular purpose. That purpose is love. But we cannot love all on our own power uh, or on our own gumption because our love will always fall short. And so our freedom for the particular purpose of love must be empowered by the Spirit. Freedom without life in the Spirit is always going to fall short. And so the point is to use our freedom, empowered by the Spirit, in such a way that the heart or the intention of the law is fulfilled. It's being able to enjoy a beautiful lawn or pick flowers from a beautiful garden without ruining the thing. And we're not very good at this, which is why there are signs everywhere. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. Limit of this many, right? Everything's on sale, but you can only buy 45 of them at Costco, right? It's like, buy one, get seven free, limit 49. Because they know that some dude's going to go in there and buy the whole shelf, right? And they want, so that we have all these limitations, which points us to the fact that we aren't, in fact, very good at this. But what the Spirit in our life does is it allows us to enjoy the beautiful lawn without ruining it. But left to the flesh, we will certainly exploit our freedom and ruin the spoils of our freedom. So freedom in Christ gives us a big, beautiful lawn to enjoy, but without the Spirit guiding us to use our freedom, we will likely slide into self-indulgence. Now, to prove this point, he's just made a theological point, and to prove it and uh, to, to nail it home in verses 19 through 21, he provides a list of where life in the flesh can take us. Remember, what Paul is doing here is he's comparing the life in the spirit versus life in the flesh. And he says, if you continue on with life in the flesh, this is likely where you are to go. And he starts naming this really long list of sins, right? I mean, there is no more depressing passage of scripture than right here. Like Jeremy was reading and I was like, oh, there's more. There's another screen of sins and a third screen of sins. I mean, it just keeps going. He mentions things like sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, jealousy, factions, drunkenness, envy, etc., etc., etc. And you're like, Paul, take a chill pill. (laughs) Right? And chances are, when you read this list, the things that, that jump out to you are most likely the things that you don't struggle with. And so you read that list of sins and you're like, oh, how could you? (laughs) Give me a break. I don't do that. Right? That's what we're prone to. We're like, we we say things like, those are awful. Those are the worst sins I can imagine. Ah, but the good news is in this list, there is something for everyone. That is why it's so long. Right? (laughs) There is a sin in the list for you. So, you may not be tempted toward witchcraft. You may not be tempted toward sexual immorality. But what about idolatry? 
What about hatred or discord? You see, the point of the list is not so much each thing in particular, uh, but the point is the impact of the list. The, the point is for Paul to list all these kinds of sins. There's something for everyone. And by this long list, he wants to say, this is where life in the flesh will take you. This is where life in the flesh will take you. If you walk down the road of living in the flesh, you will find yourself in the location of these things. It may be one thing. It may be multiple things. It may be uh, 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 like a, just like a whole group of those things. But certainly this is where it will lead. Now, the genius of the list is that some of these sins are obvious, while others of them are subtle and secret. In other words, it is, you can look at someone and not know if they are holding on to an idol in their life. And so some of the sins are very sort of outward and obvious, and you could look at folks and you could say, they are doing that thing. While other things on the list we could be living with, participating in, and no one would ever know. You see, the point is, you can be living by the flesh and everyone knows it. Or you can be living by the flesh and everyone thinks you're a moral king. But Paul says... Whether it's obvious or not, life in the flesh will take you down this road. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, it's important that we point out that that Paul is not talking about something immaterial. He is not making an argument that uh, our ultimate Christian hope is to uh, abandon anything physical, material, or the flesh. Paul is using the word flesh Uh, to say the engine that drives the sin. If you live according to this this thing in your heart that drives you towards sin, then these are the roads in which you will will find yourself. These these are the destinations that you will ultimately land. And so Paul is is not saying, oh, then in in order to be set free from these kinds of sins, uh, the only hope that we have is to be disembodied in heaven somewhere when we die. That is not at all what Paul is saying. What Paul is pointing us to is the motivation of our hearts. He says, inside of you, you have two things, and they are in conflict with one another. You have life in the Spirit of God, and you know that God is good, and you you know that God is true. Particularly if you've given your life to Him, then you have this desire to live for God in the ways of God, to honor God, to love God, to love other people. You have this side of you. But Paul says... There is this other part of you, this other part of your heart that wants to go toward the things that are going, the, the self-indulgence part, the, the thing that's going to just feed on your desires of the flesh. And again, the desires of that thing inside of you that, that drives toward the things that are against God. And Paul says these things are realities inside of you. And what ultimately he's talking us, to us about is that when we go in life By the Spirit, when we are driven by the Spirit of God, what Paul is saying to us 
is that the spirit working inside of us is going to bend us more in the direction of wanting to please God so that our motivations are purified. And that doesn't mean that we'll always live perfectly, but it does mean that our heart's desire is oriented no longer toward the flesh, but now our hearts, by the power of the spirit, are now oriented toward God. Does that make sense? And so that's why Paul is, is saying you can walk in the power of the flesh. That is sort of giving the reign of your life over to the ways of sin. Or you can walk by the Spirit, which is saying by the Spirit's work in me, I am then going to walk uh, with my heart oriented toward God. And for a lot of people, we never realize this is a possibility. Uh, for a lot of people, the way that they, they, they hear the gospel preached is uh, we are just always and perpetually oriented against God. But Paul wants to say, yes, there is a battle there, but our hearts can be ultimately oriented toward God by the power of the Spirit. And that we can live, begin to live with our hearts and our motivations in line with the ways of God. And that's good news, isn't it? Because he says the acts of the flesh are obvious, and he gives us this big list, and he says, if you just walk in the flesh, these are the places you're going to find yourself. But then he says, but the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit. And he, he makes a direct comparison here, the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, he's just said the acts of the flesh are obvious. Oh, let's say the fruit of the flesh are obvious. And then he compares that directly to the fruit of the Spirit. And so throughout the passage, Paul is comparing life in the flesh versus life in the Spirit. And this list really gets down to the nuts and bolts of the thing, doesn't it? He says life in the flesh is going to lead you to sin, both big and small, both obvious and secret. But life in the Spirit leads us to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now we did a whole series on the fruit of the Spirit last year. And we looked at each one of those fruit. But the overarching theme of that series was this, and I want to remind you of it today. The fruit of the Spirit are not traits that we achieve through personal effort. The fruit of the Spirit are not traits that we achieve through personal moral effort. They are the fruit of, in our lives as we walk with the Spirit. They are the fruit in our lives as we walk in the Spirit. And so our approach, to, should, our approach should not be I need more patience and I need it right now. (laughs) But rather our approach should be pursue life in the spirit of God which will bear the fruit of patience in my life. So if you find yourself desiring a particular fruit of the spirit, the idea is not through moral effort to determine that you are going to live more loving But rather your approach is to sit at the feet of God who is love and allow his spirit to work inside of you so that it bears the fruit of love in your life. And so Paul says that our freedom in Christ has crucified the flesh and its desires. So again, I will say this. What he is ultimately pointing us to is a motivation of our heart. Does your heart desire things of the flesh or does your heart desire life in the spirit with all of its fruit? Now, 
Let me wrap this up. Do you remember when I said that freedom, if it is to be of any use, must be matched by a sense of purpose? Uh, I want to dovetail off of that and say this. We cannot live free if all we are trying to do is avoid sin. We cannot live free if all we are trying to do is avoid sin. To live free, we must pursue life in the Spirit. Or let me say it this way. To live free, we must pursue Christ. Because remember, our freedom must be for a particular purpose. And a lot of times what happens is we are living in a life of sin. We are set free in Jesus Christ. And we spend our entire life trying to not go back there. When I would say, you aren't yet truly free. If all you're trying to do is avoid going back there. In order to be truly free, we must step into the freedom that we have in Christ and then pursue him with reckless abandon. And then we will be set free. You see, we can't live free if all we are trying to do is avoid sin. I've seen a lot of Christians that are living their life just trying not to mess up. But in all of their effort to avoid sin, what you are actually doing is setting your heart's gaze on that sin, making it even harder to overcome. Let me give you an illustration. It's like thinking to, you, you go somewhere to this, this gathering, and uh, they have donuts. I love donuts <laughs> so much. Can I hear an amen for donuts? That's right. Okay, so they got donuts. And then they have hummus and veggies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so you go to this party, and if you are thinking to yourself during the party, I am not going to eat a donut. I am not going to eat a donut. I am not going to eat the donut. What happens? You eat the donut. Because you have oriented your heart toward the donut. By trying to avoid the donut, you have given the donut more power. And the last thing we need are powerful donuts. Right? I mean, they have enough power in and of themselves. We shouldn't be going and giving it away. And so, what you are to do when you go to the party is not think to yourself, I'm going to avoid the donut, but rather you should turn your gaze to the veggies and hummus. And when you do that and you admire the, the beauty and the health, health value, is that, that's not how you say it, the nutrition, nutritionist value, I'm str- I can't even describe hum- hummus and veggies. I, my heart is so oriented toward donuts. But if you, or if you turn your gaze upon the hummus and veggies, the donut will fade quietly into the background and you will have made a good food choice. The same principle applies in your life in Christ. Amen? The same principle. And so I will say again, we cannot live free if all we are trying to do is avoid sin. To live free, we must pursue life in Christ. And so I would say to you, church, fix your eyes on the one who is good and full of grace. 
Pursue him who is full of mercy and truth. Chase after the one who is love. And do this by placing yourselves in environments where the Spirit of God can speak to you and encourage you and sometimes, when it's necessary, convict you. Places like the quiet of the early morning, the gathering of the community together, conversation with a trusted friend or mentor. Because if all you're trying to do is live good enough to get by, you are robbing yourself and missing out on the fullness of life that God has for you in Jesus Christ. Because Christ has, in fact, set us free. But we need the Spirit of God to live in that freedom. Amen? So maybe it's a matter of shifting priorities, whatever it is in your life. But I would just say to you that in order to live into the fullness of Jesus Christ and the freedom that we have in him, we need the Spirit of God. Can I do something old-fashioned? I want to read to you again verses 13 through 15, but in honor of the reading of God's word, can I ask you to stand? And then don't get too antsy. We're going to sing a song. We're going to take communion. we got some time left here this morning. But I want us to stand. And then the band is going to come up and sing. And then we're going to come to the table. And so I want to close my message this morning with the words of Paul from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And this is an address to all of you. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other.